Hello and welcome back to the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. Coming up on today's show, we speak with sustainability experts to get their top tips on keeping sustainability going through lockdown and the coronavirus pandemic. One of the benefits of um, the last couple of weeks has been a chance to see into the lives of my colleagues, for them to see into my life in a bit of a different way. At least for the last many years that I can remember, there hasn't ever been a period where people globally have been able to actually see and feel what a different environment might be like. And so now that people have experienced that, I think that will help us. Sustainability needs to play its part in the response and recovery from COVID. And I think there's an enormous uh, point uh, for sustainability to have a big seat at the table in, in recovery discussions. Yes, so hello and welcome back. Hopefully those sound bites already have you chomping at the bit for some thought leadership on driving sustainable business practices throughout this unprecedented period of lockdown. It's been just under a month since the UK officially went into lockdown and many workers across the country have found themselves furloughed, working from home or unfortunately without their old jobs. Of course, there are also those working on the front line to keep our nation healthy and they certainly deserve all the praise right now. But that's not to say that social distancing hasn't thrown up a few challenges for those working at home. You see, us humans, we're creatures of comfort and change tends to throw us out of sync a little bit, especially when that change leads to offices over the country closing for an indefinite period of time. Much like many, I have finally gotten used to working remotely to the point where this episode isn't being brought to you from the usual ED studio that we say in inverted commas, but rather from my two-bedroom flat in East Sussex, and I suppose two-bedroom could be in inverted commas uh, as well. Um, Fortunately, there aren't many cars on the road, so the background noise shouldn't be too loud, although uh, my dining room chairs are incredibly squeaky, so apologies if you do hear that. But yep. I've kind of accustomed to the working from home style and in fact journalists are pretty well uh, set up to be able to do just that. But even as workers across the country do get accustomed to this new ways of working it will probably still have come to a blow uh, to hear last night's news that the lockdown has understandably been extended for another three weeks and will probably be extended again after that. And while some sustainability professionals I've been speaking to over the last few weeks have been furloughed for the next two months, for many, the show must go on. And that's where the inspiration for this podcast episode, and indeed our new Susty Talks video series, comes from. Over the coming months, we're interviewing a host of sustainability leaders on how they're working through lockdown, whether the coronavirus has halted any announcements they're working on, and what the key areas of focus is for them during both this disrupted period and beyond. The series officially launched this week uh, to much fanfare amongst our audience, I should say, uh, and we therefore decided to bundle up a few of the chats for you into a special podcast episode. But we'll be kicking off uh, this podcast with an exclusive, actually, uh, as the video isn't online yet, so you'll be hearing it here first. Um, on Friday morning, so this morning, Edie's content director, Luke Nichols, sat down for a virtual catch-up with Lansex. Corporate Affairs and Sustainability Director Caroline Hill and BT's Director of Reporting and Insight Richard Marsh to reflect on how their teams have responded to the pandemic and new ways of working. 
Following that and a short break, we'll then be going straight into a couple of chats from earlier in the week that are available to watch on YouTube if you do prefer video formats uh, and via the ED website. So we'll be going straight into my chat with General Motors Chief Sustainability Officer Dane Parker, who dialed in from the US on Tuesday to discuss how life has been across the pond and whether consumers are going to be ready to reevaluate their relationship with cars and electric vehicles once we get back to some sense of operational normality. And then to finish, we're actually going right back to the very start of this week and to the first episode of this new series. <clears throat> Luke is on hand again, uh, this time sitting down with Interface's regional sustainability manager, John Koo, who's a good friend of ED and regular on this podcast, uh, in fact, to discuss the similarities between the outbreak uh, and efforts to fight climate change and single-use plastics. So that's a lot to get through uh, in this episode. So without further delay, let's hand over to Luke, Caroline and Richard and then carry on with those other two chats. Hello. Uh, hello and good morning, uh, good afternoon or good evening, um, depending on where you're watching or listening to this. Uh, and I say watching or listening because we are broadcasting both visually um, on the ED.net website and audibly through ED's Sustainable Business Covered podcast. So. Uh, whatever time of day it is and, and however you're tuning in, welcome along to this episode five of Susty Talk. Uh, so this is Edie's series of conversations with the inspirational leaders who are continuing to drive sustainability and climate action through this period of lockdown here in the UK, which of course has just been extended for another three weeks. Um, but the good news is that we're bringing you a very special bumper episode of Susty Talk today because I'm joined, as you can see, by not one, but two revered sustainability leaders. Um, so I'll introduce them in the order I can see them on my screen, although that may come out differently in the visual recording and it won't apply at all, I suppose, to our podcast listeners. But uh, on the left of my screen, we've got Richard Marsh, who is the reporting and insight director at the telecoms giant BT. Uh, and on the right of my screen, we've got Caroline Hill who's the Corporate Affairs and Sustainability Director at the commercial property development company Landsec. Morning to you both. Um, thank you for joining me. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting you both individually. Um, have you met each other before? I know we discussed this briefly beforehand. Have you met in person? Yeah, we were just uh, mulling that over. And I think it's one of the, the good things actually about the uh, video conferencing we're doing at the moment where you actually get to see people but we we think so we think we may have met uh, about a year ago at an event we couldn't swear on it but uh yeah i, I think we have yeah. done before I, th I think our paths have crossed at some ed events yeah Good. well that's what it is all about i suppose is uh, connecting you and keeping that conversation going so um let's i know that richard you mentioned just before the call you may have to duck out in 10 or 15 minutes or so so um just letting everyone know that in advance but caroline we've got you for a 15 or 20 minute period which is good um so let's start just quickly by building up a picture of what life in like uh, life in lockdown is like for both of you at the moment um richard starting with you um talk us through how you and your team are working through this period yeah, so it's it's been quite um, strange in in many ways. I, th I think sort of adapting to just being at home, you know, not being uh, tightly packed into a train on the the way into work. I think I think brings definitely a, a benefit. But uh, you know, on a personal level, it's it's challenging because we're just going through all our year end reporting um, at the moment, and for the first time, we're doing all of that virtually. We're doing all the the assurance and and everything as well. And, and on the other hand, I'm balancing that with uh, potentially at any one point in time when I'm in a meeting getting invaded by my two young children as well. So it's it's brought a lot of, uh, of, of challenges. And I think out in the 
uh, team as as well you know people some people have found it easier to adapt to there's a couple of people within the team who work at home and are quite used to uh, used to that where other people including myself are now at home all of the time so it's brought a few um, challenges and it's it's meant as a team um, we need to stay really close um, we need to check in really to see how people are feeling and to make sure the uh, support is there and, and particularly as we think about like the the audit bit that I mentioned before where ordinarily we'd all be crammed in a room looking at bits of evidence and and there's obviously a lot of lot of pressure to that with getting everything right for for year end so it's just re really stay very close but um yeah I think they'd, they'd be my main uh, reflections. Mm. Caroline similar life in lockdown for you? Yeah very similar equal risk of children could appear at any point um, hopefully not for the next 10 minutes. Um, I think also to flag I think it's particularly tough for, um, for team members that live alone or um, don't have any outside space um, so I think you know it affects everyone's got different challenges if you're living alone I think that's a whole set of challenges if you've got young kids again Oh, elderly parents. So, um, so yeah, I think just being really sensitive to everyone's different circumstances, and so as a team, providing um, a lot more flexibility. And so, I think that's kind of a maybe a positive that will come out of this. That this kind of more flexible way of working might might continue uh, in into the longer term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm, okay, um, so part of the reason for me connecting us all together, because uh, it was a method to the madness, was that um, uh, you both hold re relatively senior director sort of level positions within the businesses you work for. So I wanted to get a brief insight into how, if at all, you're sort of still communicating sustainability at that top level. So with those kind of board level people. Um, Richard, starting with you, how, how are you sort of keeping the decision makers within your company connected to sustainability and the CSR agenda at the moment? Yeah, so, so I think in, in many ways it's it's unchanged. So we've got a really strong focus within uh, BT uh, from a governance point of view in in what we're doing, providing oversight and guidance on the the plans. Um, we won't be able to do that in the way that we'd, we'd normally do that around the the boardroom table, but we'll do exactly the same thing and are preparing for a. Uh, board session next month which will be done uh, virtually so in many ways um, it's it's really just using a lot of the tools that are out there that allow us to to do that virtually to keep the uh, momentum momentum up on the topics and I mentioned the other the other piece as well because we're going through the year-end reporting at the moment you know annual report sustainability report you know naturally that means some very regular direct engagement with the the senior teams about progress um, about where our thinking is for, for the year ahead as well. So I think it's it's in those couple of areas that um, there still maintains a big focus. It's just that we we need to adapt and do that in a different way. Mm. So adapting, doing different things in different ways, Carolyn, does that sort of chime with um, the way that you're communicating SUSTI internally at the moment? Yeah, so same um, going through the year end um, and, and the auditing process, the insurance process remotely. Um, I mean, it's all just, you know, that's a set timetable. So we're all just doing it as as we would normally. So all our interviews with our senior um, execs and board as part of our assurance with EY are, are continuing. Um, we have the extra challenge at Landsec of a brand new CEO who joined us Tuesday uh, this week. Um, and so that's that's a, that's another big big event for Landsec. So making sure that he's fully engaged in our sustainability program and aware of it, that all that all continues, um, albeit over over Microsoft Teams rather than in person. 
Mm, incredible. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing time for a new CEO to step into the helm of business like that. Um, so uh, I guess I did want to talk a little bit about this reporting side of things. I suppose it would only be fair given Richard's job title in particular. Um, coronavirus has obviously hit at the height of sort of reporting season for sustainability and CSR professionals. Um, a big focus of our previous Susty Talk discussions has been on how to communicate or report on sustainability at this time. Um, so Richard, I think the BC report would have kind of come out around about now, wouldn't it? Has, has that happened or how is that kind of changing? Yeah, so, so we're, we're on track. So we're due to publish on the 21st of May. So we, we just closed the books on the year, if you like, at the end of uh, at the end of March. So uh, we're on track and, and much as Caroline described, really, we're, we're just taking the schedule virtually, um, you know, assurance, um, going through the, the different review design process, etc. We've just adapted to uh, take all of that that virtually. So it's, it's naturally brought some challenges, um, both in terms of how you do that virtually, um, where ordinarily you might you might all be in a room and having some quite focused sessions and particularly the way that the assurance journey goes where you're looking to go to, to quite a low level of detail uh, to, to be confident in the numbers so I think that's that's kind of one aspect of it that's um, brought some challenges I think the other is that um, we of course report in terms of what happened in the year that's that's just gone but it really would be quite remiss not to acknowledge the, the very fundamental thing that's going on in the world right now and, and particularly trailing a little bit some of the steps that were taken as a business to uh, respond to that as well. Um, but of course, in a perfect world, you do the annual report and the sustainability report and everything would be perfect and no changes would be going through. And actually, we've got the biggest the biggest thing that, um, you know, in my living memory has, has, has happened. So it's kind of how you reflect um, talk about what we're doing as a business and recognize that um, at the time of going through those uh, pressures of adapting um, the whole year-end process to, to be a virtual one. So mm -hmm. I think that, that'd be what I'd uh, share. Okay and Caroline before bringing you in I'm going to sort of I'm conscious of the fact that we've only got Richard for a few minutes longer so I'm going to hog Richard for a little while longer and um, just uh, ask you a couple more questions that perhaps a little bit more bespoke to your organization as well. Um, uh, obviously, one of the biggest social developments that's come of this issue is is in this kind of stay at home economy we're in at the moment, um, the use of digital technology to remain connected. I can see you've got your own digital tech there. I won't ask what broadband provider you're using. Um, but I think this is obviously good news in terms of BT from BT perspective from the products and services you provide. Um, but I think one of the fallouts of this may be that emissions at a consumer end at least will will increase as broadband phone lines are used additionally, um, which makes me just wonder about those targets you've got to help reduce consumer emissions. So uh, long question, but in, in a sort of two parts, one, do you envisage that scope three emissions kind of going up in this section of the year in particular? And two, is there anything you're planning or doing to try and mitigate that? Yes, it's a good question. And look, while, while you didn't ask the question, I, I of course, I'm going to say that I've got BT broadband here, which is really helping me to to work. Um, but basically, I, I think there's there's a long standing focus that we've got in BT and how we work with the supply chain to look at different premises that we might have uh, in customers' homes, in businesses as well, and for that to work as efficiently as it, as it possibly can. And so that's been a long-standing focus for it, which means in the current environment of lots of people working at home at the moment, um, we're hopefully getting the benefit of that while much more capacity is going through the um, you know, the home end of, of, of the network. There's also a substitutional aspect too, right? Because 
Uh, while on the one hand, you might say I'm at home more, I'm working at home more, consuming more more power locally. But conversely, I'm not doing lots of uh, traveling. Um, I'm not uh, generating energy use, for for example, in the office environment as well. So I think, you know, of course, there'll be some movements uh, through the, the scopes overall. But I think we're well positioned on the back of that. And I think as well, our carbon abatement goal that we've got, which looks at customers use of our products and the abatement that can deliver versus the operational footprint of, of BT allows us to uh, keep a, a close check on that as well. Mm, okay, thank you. Uh, last question for you then Richard before I know you need to duck off. Um, I, I typically end our Susty Talk chats with a with a sort of generic question about kind of any advice or thoughts you might have for, for fellow Susty professionals who are working from home perhaps getting a bit frustrated by the, the lack of connectivity or maybe even on furlough and trying to keep themselves connected and, and sane. Um, do you have any working from home tips or recommendations? Yeah, I think maybe a couple of thoughts. So I think, you know, st staying really close to the uh, to, to the network, I think is very important. And I recently through the ED mentoring program, I've, I've started to build really good relationship up with uh, someone I've not, not spoken to before. So I think really um, using the networks that are there, you know, I think hearing from Caroline today has given me uh, a lot of inspiration and resonance of, of a fellow colleague going through year end at the time. Um, and I also think there's there's an opportunity here to think about the uh, skills that we develop through this time. If, if it has um, created the unfortunate situation that people have been furloughed, it does create an opportunity potentially to look at building new skills up in that time. And we, through our Skills for Tomorrow programme, have got a lot of quite useful free resources that, that potentially can help uh, people do that and there's, there's some really good things out there so I think it's maybe in what's a hugely challenging time trying to take the best that, that you can from a skills and a, a networks perspective. Mm. Okay thank you so much Richard um, I'll That's let brilliant. you back out and jump into your other meeting thanks again for joining us at quite short notice um, and yeah best of luck with everything over the next few weeks. That's great thank you both cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Great. Okay, so hopefully this has all worked when it comes out to the recording and uh, from a podcast perspective, it all seems seamless. Um, but Caroline, um, back to you. So I guess I asked Richard firstly there about kind of reporting and how what the implications were on, on reporting there at BT. Was there some synergies there with how it's impacting your SUSTI reporting? Yes, yeah, so our annual report would normally come out around mid-June and um, very similar experience to Rich. So at the moment, we're still crunching through the year-end numbers. We've got end of, end of March, year-end. Um, and all, all is progressing as, as normal currently. I mean, one trend we're seeing is all of the benchmarks of so things like CDP or Dow Jones Sustainability Initiative. They're all pushing back their timelines, um, which does ease the pressure a bit on the team that we've got a bit longer for those. So that's, mm. that's very welcome. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and I just wanted to talk about the way that I just dig a little bit deeper into the way that SUSTI should be communicated through this crisis, particularly kind of, I guess, internally in terms of getting buy-in on things. Um, the reason I, I'm going to ask this is because in one of our earlier SUSTI talk conversations, I spoke with uh, Kia Group's um, Head of Sustainability, Joe Gilroy, um, who talked about the need for sustainability professionals to effectively change the way they're communicating sustainability and really sort of scrupulously focus on the commercial benefits of it. Um, I suppose the context being that the economy is going to face this quite significant downturn and talking in sort of pounds and pence is going to be the only way to get that sort of buy-in. Um, do you agree with that? 
Um, I think each business is different and faces different challenges. I mean, I, I would say that actually, I think there's a, a huge uh, opportunity for sustainability prevent professionals from this, which is that awareness, particularly on air pollution, has massively increased in the last month. You know, people really commenting, you see this in the media, the amount of commentary on uh, how suddenly London's uh, air is so much fresher and all our cities are, are, are um, so, you know, so much nicer outside. And so I think, I think always sustainability needs to be put in a commercial context to be successful. But actually, I think some of this is going to raise consumer awareness even further than it was already. And that will um, be of, of great benefit for sustainability professionals in terms of the, the reasons why sustainable business is so important. I think the other side of it is uh, economic justice. So I think out of this um, awful situation that we are all in, um, there is a big focus, certainly, on on um, making sure that those that are um, that everybody is supported and that no one is left behind in the recovery from this crisis. And so, community programs, certainly at Landsec, our community programs have really ramped up in the last month to ensure, for example, all the homeless charities that we're working with that they've got that immediate support they need right now to keep doing their work. I and mean, it's always been important, but now it's it's more important than ever. So I think. Um, trying to see how this, how um, how sustainability needs to play its part in the response and recovery from COVID, and I think there's an enormous uh, point uh, for sustainability to have a big seat at the table in in recovery discussions. So yeah. I think. I think uh, positioning that in pounds and pence where that's appropriate, certainly in terms of things like energy reduction, but also looking more broadly than that at responsible business and about the need to, more than ever to be a good corporate citizen coming out of this. Yes, yeah. And, and speaking about coming out of it and, and what that starts to look like, it's obviously very difficult to predict what things will be like. But we have seen examples like in, for example, in China, where they started to unlock the, uh, the economy. Um, are you having discussions about that internally in terms of, you know, for example, what things like footfall will look like in your stores and shops and, and what that will mean for, for sustainability there at Lancet going forward? Yeah, so Lancet's portfolio is a mixture of um, offices and we also have uh, some retail, so shopping centres, retail parks. And um, for, for our offices, they are largely unoccupied right now as everybody's working from home. They're, they are open on a kind of a basis for those that need emergency access to them, but obviously footfall is dramatically lower. Um, on the retail side, most of our centres do have um, essential services like supermarkets or um, banks or pharmacies. So I think we only have four sites that are fully shut down and the rest are, are partially open for those essential services. And our operations team are spending a huge amount of time looking at the practicalities of how when restrictions are lifted how we make sure those centers are able to reopen as soon as possible and how if we had to if then restrictions came back in how we would then close them close them down again um, as a business you know even before COVID, the, the retail sector was facing um, huge challenges and enormous changes in how people uh, are shopping and so i think one of the results of COVID is that those changes uh, are likely to accelerate. Um, we did a thought piece actually before COVID, which was all about re uh, reimagining and repurposing retail space. So many believe that the UK potentially has an oversupply of, of bricks and mortar retail space. So how can that 
space be repurposed and used for other purposes, whether they're community, uh, residential, whole variety of different things. And so that's something that we were looking at very closely as a business and I think will be accelerated from, from this situation. Okay, interesting. Speaking more generally about sustainability and environmental management across the, the UK, do you think there might be a change in sort of skills required of sustainability professionals to keep sustainability high on the agenda in the months and years to come? I mean, we talked just now about having that business acumen, talking in mm -hmm. pounds and pence potentially, but are there, are there other leadership qualities that you think will prove essential uh, coming out of this? Um, I think, it, again, I think it will accelerate things that were already really needing to happen. So that kind of commercial business acumen, the ability to influence others, um, because sustainability, you know, the, the scale of change that we all need to uh, achieve to, to tackle climate change cannot be done just by a sustainability team in a company. It needs to be absolutely everybody's responsibility. So that being able to influence at all levels whether that's at board um, or right, right through an organisation is um, is absolutely key. Mm. Okay, um, conscious of the time, I've got a couple of minutes left, so I'll squeeze in a couple of last questions. The first was just beyond coronavirus, whenever that is, or, or at least when lockdown begins to ease, what, what are your sort of top priorities and hopes for the remainder of 2020 from a sustainability perspective? What would I guess a successful year still look like for you? Um, so we launched earlier this year our new uh, net zero carbon strategy. So we have ambitions to be a net zero carbon business by 2030. And um, a key part of that strategy for us is our new developments, so our new uh, sites and how they're constructed and, um, and, 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 the, and the design of those buildings. So I think for me that's a really big focus that um, uh, we're, we're continuing to really push on and, and make good progress on. So that's a very high priority. Um, the other one is social value, um, and so really showing how, as a business, we're we're creating social value in the communities where where we have assets and where we have developments. So I'd I'd flag those two as as ones where um, there's a lot of work going on. I'd say one one um, you know we talked about how sustainability teams can manage this period of you know maybe being being at home or maybe even being on furlough. And one of the things that my team are doing that I've been really um, uh, impressed by is looking at those projects as everyone's got those things on their to-do list that um, you're always normally sort of too busy in the day-to-day -to, -day to do so some of the team are really taking this time to look at things like for example uh, a well-being brief for design so how can we design wellness into our schemes so this is this is a big focus for us but actually we're taking this time to really codify that and get that down on paper which is um, something that um, we don't always have the luxury of time uh, to do. So, um, yeah, trying to trying to get to those things in this period where some of our more kind of day to day work on I don't know, operational energy management on a site that's that's effectively shut isn't happening. So, how can we use our use this time to do something else? Mm. Well, you answered my second question that I had there it kind of inherently there because I was going to ask you that sort of question I closed off Richard with um, in regards to any other advice you'd have for sustainability professionals or teams? Was there anything else you would add other than that kind of to-do list and, and ticking things off that you might have otherwise not been able to? Is there anything else you've been doing to keep yourself um, ticking? Yeah, I think I think really just continuing to talk to, to colleagues and and uh, and friends and family and staying, staying connected um, and going outside. Everyone's got their once a day opportunity to get outside. So um, 
yeah, making sure that um, where possible people get, get that fresh air and that outside time, because I think that's really critical. Yeah, completely. Okay, uh, well, um, I, as I, you know, I could, thought we think we could have gone on for, for a, a good while longer here, but I'll draw it to a close now. Thanks so much, Caroline, for your involvement. Thank yes, you to sure. Richard earlier for his involvement. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly have. Um, and thank you so much for, for being such a great guest. Uh, so um, thanks also to everyone at home for, for tuning in. Um, I think this double, doubling up of guests worked rather well, so maybe we'll give that another try soon. Um, but in the meantime, um, stay safe, everyone. Um, stay positive and keep up the Susty talk. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Uh, I'm Edie's content editor, Matt Mace. It is Tuesday, the 14th of April. Uh, and so we in the UK are coming up to round about a month in lockdown. Uh, so it's refreshing to be able to arrange a virtual interview and actually talk to someone face to face. And joining me uh, today for the second episode of Susty Talk, we have Dane Parker, the Chief Sustainability Officer at General Motors. Uh, so Dane, thank you so much for joining me. What is, I'm guessing, quite early in the morning for you over in the US. Thank you, Matt. Happy to be here. Great stuff. And um, I suppose a good good place to start is is how how is lockdown going over over where you're based right now? How how is day to day work um, for you at the moment? Well, I think we're on week three of lockdown here, and uh, I was I was thinking about the things that I've learned in this, and it's been a difficult time in some ways, but actually a great time of learning and growth as we've had to be a little more creative with how we get work done and uh, the way that we can care for our team members and reach out and make sure we stay connected has had to change a fair bit during this time period. And and, if, and in terms of change, are you finding that you're actually engaging and speaking to them more compared to perhaps when it was when it was office based or, or is it still very kind of frequent meetings with the with the sustainability team? You know, our team, it's interesting because our sustainability team obviously meets with ourselves, but much of our time we spend with other people within the company and interfacing with others. And when you can't go over and see people in person in a meeting, um, you know, you have to come up with new creative ways, just like this you know, video interview we're doing. We do a lot more video chats and are trying to stay connected. And people obviously have a lot going on right now. And so you have to recognize the emotional situation everyone's in and the challenge they, they face and try to connect in a way that, uh, that recognizes that for them and the challenges they may have going on in their home and the, you know, the, the dogs in the background or whatever, kids, things like that. But uh, make it you know, more personal and still try to have those interactions to move things forward. And in terms of just, I suppose, the, the general disruption that, that the coronavirus is, is causing um i mean we've seen through um a survey of our audience that many are having to kind of postpone or just put on hold uh, some aspects of comms or even new announcements around uh the strategy has have you found that it's it's slowed down what uh gm would other buyers be working on sustainability or is it kind of all, all steam ahead albeit very virtually that's a great question. I think what you might see externally is a slowdown because there really isn't any place in the news, unfortunately, for much else other than this COVID-19 crisis. And so 
in terms of things we'd like to share externally, we do have some some great stories, things that we're accomplishing and, and ready to announce that we're intentionally waiting to announce until we can find a place that uh, we think people will have time to hear them. But at the same time, internally, uh, we're as engaged as we've, we've, ever, we've, we've ever been and uh, are kind of like, I guess, a duck. We're above the water. It might look fairly calm and still, but we're paddling hard under the water so that we don't lose ground and we don't lose progress during this time. And then and what would you say are, I mean, going into this and then what you're still working on now, what are the key kind of areas in terms of GM's um, sustainability strategy? I know obviously the, uh, the the zero emission vehicles is a big aspect of of, of the wider drive, but what, what kind of areas were, were the focus um, going into, into this situation? Well, you, you actually got the main one, which is our products. And so zero emissions vehicles and then the related supply chains around that, including energy supply and, and renewable energy, uh, were big going into this and they'll, they'll be big uh, coming out of it for us. So the work that we have to do internally to, to get ready for the high volume um, battery electric vehicles that we'll be launching continues. And, and for us, this, this won't be too much of a disruption for that. In fact, as we look at, as a company, We've made uh, some great efforts to not disrupt the progress we're making internally on electric vehicles. So that will continue the progress we're making with supply chain and with circular economy principles in our supply chain also continues. And then uh, the renewable energy will, will continue to be a big focus for us. And it's something that we have some announcements in that area that were, you know, again, progress we've made, we want to share, but we're waiting till an appropriate time to be able to share them. And in terms of external engagement, I'm specifically on the supply chain front, I imagine uh, it's, it's quite a big complex supply chain that probably spans multiple countries with organisations of, of multiple sides, not just on the energy front, but on, on the kind of sourcing of materials for the, for the vehicles. I imagine, I imagine um, and that might not be your remit, but engaging across the supply chain in this current time must be a really uh, tricky task. It is actually part of what I work on and one of the hats I wear in the company definitely have interactions with supply chain and with the suppliers and it is hard for those very same reasons that, you know, all of us are disrupted personally and individually when you spread that across literally tens of thousands of, of uh, employees and suppliers, it gets to be very complex. The, the good news I'd say in that is as we interact with suppliers, we haven't seen people saying, um, hey, don't bother me about the future. I'm too worried about today. People are very worried about their own health and their well-being and their safety. And so we're going to great lengths to help make sure that when we can come back to work collectively, and that includes our supply chain, we do that in a way that consistently and safely allows employees to work wherever they are. And, uh, and I think once we've taken care of people's concerns around their safety, they're going to be equally engaged in how can we make the future better? And what can we do? In fact, I have a meeting tomorrow morning with over 300 of our suppliers to talk about CDP, CDP and the things we're asking them to do from a disclosure perspective on that. And so far, you know, the, uh, the replies we've had of people who are confirmed attending is higher than we actually would have expected. That's, uh, that's great to hear. I think, uh, I think one of the weirder aspects of this has been how, um, how, virtually more people are just able to liaise and, and discuss um, literally at the kind of more of a drop of a, 
a hat it probably helps that people maybe have a bit more flexibility in their schedules because of the, the working uh, scenario and then you mentioned kind of um still kind of developing uh, the response to to COVID-19 um, is there anything GM in particular is doing in the current situation any kind of collaborations that you are forming to help I suppose more kind of on the ground stuff um, that's happening out in the US or yeah well, we've uh, as a company we're actually involved now in the making of ventilators and masks and that's something that one of the great things that's come out of this is I think creativity and you know as I think about it, as it relates to climate overall, you know, a lot of times we look at problems like the climate and we, sometimes I think we struggle to find creative solutions in time periods that are reasonable. And there's nothing like a crisis to show what people are capable of. And so, you know, in our particular case as a company, in just a few weeks, you know, we've become a, ma a manufacturer of ventilators and working with a, a, a very small manufacturer in the U.S. who was producing about uh, about 200 a month, we're going to go to producing in the thousands. And we're doing the same thing with masks. We're producing uh, masks in the thousands now per day. And uh, it's pretty exciting to see that, to see people rally around that and to want to do that. And it actually, I think, demonstrates what's potential and what's cap what we have the capability to do to solve other problems you know, when we think about the climate going forward. And I think we we've seen a lot of I suppose thought leadership um, on that area. The the similarities in response to the coronavirus and the the longer term uh, efforts to kind of curb climate change. I mean, flattening the curve on on the coronavirus is quite a well discussed term. And there's been some efforts to kind of mimic that in terms of how we should approach climate change more long term. And hopefully, this is much more settled down um, and we've seen I suppose the the short term I don't want to call them benefits in a, in a global pandemic but what the impact this is having on the environment in terms of uh, better air quality lower emissions but it sounds like there's going to be some retaliatory emissions as production ramps up but clearly there is a connection between uh, a global response to a virus pandemic and what a global response could be to climate change do you have a view on, on whether there's some learnings from this at a at probably a more kind of political level or even just a business decision level. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the key point, what you mentioned is that people have experienced something different. And in many ways, at least for the last many years that I can remember, there hasn't ever been a period where people globally have been able to actually see and feel what a different environment might be like. What would a city be like without congestion? Um, what, what would air be like without pollution? What does water look like when it hasn't been polluted? And so now that people have experienced that, I think that will help us politically because in many countries, you know, politics are the sum of, you know, the desires and hopes and ambitions of the people in those countries. And I hope what people have seen will change the sense of urgency they feel to have a different future. And like you said, certainly this, we don't want unemployment to be normal. And we want people to be able to get back to work and we want production to resume. But I, what I hope will happen, and, and, I, and I feel strongly that it will, is that people will want to do that in ways now that also give them the benefits they've just experienced, that allow them to have clean air and clean skies, that allow them to see you know, the bottom of the river or the canal that they, they walk along and to experience um, going to work without the congestion that they normally experience. So I think 
this will help people see a different future. And as we get back to work, then maybe work harder to make that future the new normal. And do you think that's going to have any impact specifically on, on General Motors and obviously EV production car sales? Do you think consumer attitudes might change um, and that may inadvertently speed up the EV transition, for example? I, I believe it will. You know, there are some, and I've read a few things where people are concerned that then in some ways when some of the, the crisis passes, people will return to the, you know, the, the buying behaviors of old and that low fuel prices and low oil prices were, will spur on, you know, the growth, let's say, of, of uh, internal combustion engines. I, I actually believe that this will help people uh, want to drive electric vehicles in the future, that they, they now that they can see, and especially in countries that have major air pollution challenges, that people will see what a clear sky is, and they will see that their behavior impacts that directly. And maybe that's a connection that will be new to them and they will desire to have an EV. We still need to have affordable EVs across the different kind of products people want. And so that's our challenge. That's why we continue to, to paddle underwater to get, get those vehicles and those products ready for, for people. But, but I think this will actually help long-term, this will help the demand for electric vehicles. I like the uh, the terminology about the um, the paddling and the kind of metaphor of, of, of the, the duck and the stillness of the water, which it can seem. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are looking um, ahead post kind of lockdown when things do turn um, to somewhat normal, ideally a new normal, certainly around the green economy. Um, but I think a lot of people, I mentioned that survey we did, a lot of people are kind of struggling because of postponing announcements, because of you know, suspending spending on uh, energy projects and, and sustainability projects. Um, and I think a lot of people are still trying to get to grips with what is day-to-day -day life now in terms of being a sustainability professional. I mean, what do you have, what advice would, would you give in terms of just them being able to kind of really get on with their day-to-day -day working and, and perhaps even just take a step away from this, this wider fear that certainly this pandemic can bring? Yeah, there's two things that I, I try to do personally that I found helpful. One is to take the long view. And we're, sustainability is about the long view. It's about creating a future that we can all thrive. And as a company, I think we're fortunate in that whether it's energy supply or our products, we have to take the long view. You can't get a green grid tomorrow and we can't release you know uh, 20 different EVs in a week and a half. So. This for us, although a month or two months or even three months might feel very difficult for individuals, if you can step back and say, well, let me look two years in the future or three years or five years, you know, it helps give you the energy today to keep doing the things today that are gonna benefit two years and three years and five years down the road. And the other thing that, I, that I'm doing that I found very helpful and I think our team is doing is using this time to learn because there's things I've wanted to read and study, and there's data that I'd, I'd like to have a, a chance to ponder more carefully. And this, this can give us a time to, to actually have some time to sit back and learn and read and study and see what's out there that's not news, that's not negative, that's not uh, fearful and frightful, but actually that you can come out of this uh, better prepared to lead forward and, and with a clearer vision of what the future can be. That's some, that's some really strong advice, and I think that's applicable to, to all professions across all sectors, really. And um, and I suppose then, as a follow-up, just in terms of also getting away from the, 
the day-to-day stuff like for me my my office is my my living room um so i finish work at my desk and i go to the sofa in front of the tv or i can go for my one run for the for the day and i, I suppose um what what do you kind of do just to kind of separate to unwind to separate sustainability work from 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 home life are there any kind of recommendations you'd give there yeah well in fact it's an interesting question because you know the the question is, you know, how do you separate sustainability work from your home life? And in some ways, the answer is to be sustainable as a human being. Uh, you know, you have to find some ways to balance, you know, work in your life in general. And I tell you what I've learned is that there is uh, some good research that some people prefer to be integrators where everything all meshes into one. And some people work better as segmenters. And what I've learned is I'm a better segmenter, which, you know, as you said, if you're, you know, your work is your living room, at some point you still leave. And when you leave, you leave work there so that you go have some food in a different room. Or if you go for a walk, um, you know, in my case, I'm able to work in a separate room. So I eat in a different place. And what I try to do is I at least try to segment my, 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 uh, my day so that when I'm not in that space, I try not to be working so that it doesn't follow me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that I can actually take a walk, have some food, or if I'm gonna call a friend, I'll, as silly as this is, I'll call them from a different place than where I do my work. And that's helped me personally. Okay, no, that's that's great advice um, as well, Dane. And just to finish on then, um, rather than just kind of getting stuck down on, on coronavirus, has 2020 hopefully, resemble some sense of, of normality um kind of probably looking ahead more towards kind of late summer autumn here what what's kind of on the agenda for for you at, at gm what were the kind of the areas of focus going to be well, we're going to continue working with our suppliers and so we'll, we'll continue to have interactions with uh, our supply base around their goals and their reporting and uh, material content for our vehicles we're pretty excited about some of the things our suppliers are doing to have low carbon uh, supply chains and to have circular economy supply chains. So that will continue. Uh, and then as we engage our employees, one of the things that I'm excited about is uh, the opportunities that we have internally. We do workshops and, uh, and seminars and things to get our employees excited about the contributions they can make personally and the difference they can make. And so that'll be a big focus when we're able to gather together in groups again, some of the brainstorming and the thought leadership that we get as we get together with our team members. Well, hopefully that's uh, that's a lot sooner rather than than later. Um, although the, the the trajectories and trends seem to change uh, day by day. But Dane, I did kind of uh, I've been asked to kind of keep these chats down to around fifteen minutes, which I believe we're just about on. So I'm going to have to um, to stop us there. Um, but thank you so much for being a great guest on what is a relatively new series. Uh, for us. I know just how manic things are um, for everyone at the moment and the fact that you've kind of dialed in early morning means you've probably got a lot on your plate just for today. So I do I do appreciate you stepping up and showing in uh, um, for this. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, it's always fun to talk about something positive and something we can look forward to together. We could think of no one better to help us kick off the series than uh, Mr. John Koo, who is the Regional Sustainability Manager uh, at the Global Carpet, Carpet Tile Manufacturer Interface. Uh, and John is joining us, of course, from his own home. It's not 4.12 in the morning. Don't be alarmed. I guess that's a 24-hour clock behind him. Um, whereabouts in the country are you um, connecting from, John? 
joining you from southeast uh, London. Um, well, it looks very, very sunny outside. Yes. Yeah, no, it's very sunny. Yeah, we're also in the southeast. Um, well, uh, talk us through then what, what lockdown life is, is like for you and, and the rest of the team there at Interface. How are you kind of keeping sustainability going and keeping sane? Yeah, for us, um, as a first point from the Interface uh, family, we hope you're staying safe and staying well too in what is a, a tricky and difficult time. Um, for us, I mean, I, I work at home quite a lot already, um, but this is kind of taking it to the, the max. It's funny, someone said to me, what's your advice? You work at home a lot. What would you say you should do? And my usual advice is make sure you get out, get out and see people and catch up with your local community. Not so good for the uh, keeping social distance and the isolation life. Um, <laughs> so can't really run that one as a an idea, but it's um, lockdown life is okay. I think it's for us as a company, you know, business continuity, keeping going, working out what we can do to move forward. Um, and also trying to find our way in what is tricky and uncertain times, because I look I look to five o'clock every day to find out what's happening again in the UK. And I, you know, I can't really predict how things are gonna be on Saturday or Monday, let alone two weeks or two months. So that's, we are in a, we're all in the same boat, I guess. Mm. So how many are in, 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 your, in your sort of direct team that you would ordinarily communicate with day to day? And are you still communicating with them, I guess, via, via things like this? Um, for my, it's still the same. I think if anything, some of them are working more at home so I can catch them more frequently. So we've actually been doing some training on sustainability with Interface um, for the last couple of weeks, which has been a nice, a nice thing. So if anything, rather than seeing me less, they've seen more of me. But I'll <laughs> let them write the reviews on that. Yeah, okay. The training, how, how is that being delivered then? Via, via software like this or? Yeah, I think um, in terms of whether it's Microsoft Teams or other video conferencing, it's, um, I guess it's it's never quite the same as seeing people, but it's something of a bit of a, a virtual connection revolution that we're seeing whether through this or uh, the controversial Zoom or which other format you use. I think um, people are being very creative in terms of being able to reach out and we found that to be very, very useful. Um, so it's, yeah, it's nice. I also think um, in terms of meetings, you were talking about your cats earlier. And another nice thing is I think in virtual meetings, um, I've had a great chance to meet other people's kids, their pets, their partners, all kinds of things. And it's a more personal connection. So maybe that's one of the benefits of um, the last couple of weeks has been a chance to see into the lives of my colleagues, for them to see into my life in a bit of a different way mm. it's a bit of a one of those silver linings to what is otherwise quite a big cloud yeah it's interesting i mean the on that communications point um how do you see the current situation impacting kind of the communication of of sustainability and um and kind of behavioral change around energy and sustainability which of course can't stop but are you finding that um with your own work it is a it's a struggle to still communicate sustainability to your employees I think whether internally or externally, I mean, in pretty much every speech that I give on sustainability or training session, I talk about the biggest challenge that we face as humanity being climate change. I've had to rewrite that slightly and say there were two challenges that humanity faces in terms of um, COVID-19 and climate change. And I think, you know, very much in the short term, COVID-19 is very, very much an acute challenge, but we cannot forget what we need to be doing on that challenge that hasn't gone away, but is still as big and scary um, as it was before in terms of climate change and taking the actions we need 
to to turn things around in the next eight years, eight to ten years. Mm. So um, on this point, Edie put out a survey recently on on our audience, just simply asking them how is coronavirus impacting you and your work. And there were some, I suppose, interesting findings. They perhaps confirmed some of the kind of the hunches that we did have, which is that it was going to um, uh, restrict, um, you know, spend, for example, on sustainability and energy initiatives at the moment, or um, or, or sort of postpone uh, announcements. I think more than half, in fact, said that um, sustainability announcements had, had been sort of postponed or put back because of the current situation. I think a third had, um, had said their spending on, on sustainability and energy projects had been directly impacted. I mean, what advice would you have then for a, this is a, a million dollar question, for a, a sustainable yeah. professional working in an organisation uh, that where they're just simply finding that they are coming up against a bit of a coronavirus wall in terms of kind of communicating things. How should they be relating the two? Should they be just trying to find opportunities to weave it into conversations or? I think um, I think you have to step back and kind of pivot your plan because your plan that you had for 2020 up until February or March is not going to work now. You're going to have to think about a new way of doing it. Now for us, you know, there's no change on spending. Um, we probably will see, see some innovations, maybe delayed a little bit. Um, but fundamentally, we still need to be making that change where we can. But one of the smart things I, we found to do is to, to step back and think about, all right, if we're not going to be communicating things so much a little bit, what can we do strategically in the background and with the training and with other things internally to move us on? So how can we move forward? So when we are back to launching um, new innovations or new approaches or a new program or some form of new development, depending what you do, your product or service, you're ready to go and you can, you can really make the most of when things are better and they will get better eventually. But you need to do your planning now and do some of the work now to get there. Now, I appreciate that is more difficult depending on your team situation because you know you might have employees that are furloughed you might have employees that are, you've got relatives who are ill at the moment and I think there's a certain need to be agile and flexible around that um, but I think there's a good opportunity to do a lot of the stuff behind the scenes to get you ready for better days. Mm. Okay do you see a link between um climate change tackling climate change and the kind of the fallouts of, of what we're seeing with with coronavirus and the way that's being responded to and tackled by governments and, and by businesses i do see a link i think you know they're both global critical challenges and i think on the positive side it's been really interesting to see how unifying covid19 has been um, across communities um, even between kind of in the realm of politics and different political parties um, people are really coming together and they're also being very creative in kind of some of the solutions that they're coming up with. If I, we could do the same with climate change, mm. like we could really move things much further forward and really quickly. Um, the speed of decision-making and the speed of willingness to make bold decisions for the benefit of communities, if I take the UK as an example, as we live here, um, has been staggering. And if we could get a even half of that into the climate change debate, we'd move faster. Mm -hmm. um, it comes with a word of warning though, because I think I do worry sometimes when I look at the social posts, like any attempt to market sustainability off the back of COVID-19, I stay really clear of, because I think it's, it's too soon, it's mm -hmm. too raw. And so I think there's a bit of, got a little bit of care and a bit of sensitivity that needs to, 
to be there as well. Um, but overall, there is a, a link between the two. There's been a couple of articles out recently that have drawn drawn the parallels. So it's a, an interesting area to be thinking about. Mm. Okay, and drawing those parallels, I think there's a. I, I know that you're a, you're a big fan of single-use plastic chat, um, based on you know you used to hold the role of innovation or innovation partner there in, in interface, um, and have done a lot of work over the years on sort of reducing plastics um, in the, in your organisation and through the supply chain. There's a lot I'm kind of seeing coming out now connecting coronavirus with plastics. Some of it not positive um the latest i was just looking at i won't call it up now in case this crashes the system in some way but uh there was a story about um number of plate parts of america that are, are sort of reversing some of their bans on some single-use plastics um, because the alternatives potentially um could be uh more open or susceptible to carrying kind of coronavirus on them um uh obviously us is one of the first to have responded in that way i suppose um but What's your view on the connection between the current pandemic and, and sort of single-use plastics? And is there a connection there? I think, I mean, there is a connection if we see another thing that I saw on social media and through anecdotes and friends was whether you're on an aeroplane or a train recently, if you, or in the local coffee shop, if you wanted to use your own reusable cup in recent weeks, you're not able to because it's mm -hmm. a, a coronavirus risk. And I think, um, you know, safety is absolutely crucial and we're in a bit of an unusual circumstance. So I can completely understand why those businesses took that decision in the short term, but this shouldn't be a reason to go back on a lot of hard work that's been made in, in recent years when it comes to single-use plastic and looking at all alternatives. Um, there are smelt rays around it where, you know, we could sanitise uh, reusable cups and we could think of other solutions. It's all about making the, the responsible choice. And as things come back to normal, um, I'm seeing us returning back to um, a reduction in the use of single-use plastics. Another thing I'd say is for all the positive creative responses and the community responses to COVID-19, there are some more unscrupulous elements within the business community who are willing to use that fear to um, push their own agendas. I think for all that community stuff, sometimes there's some Kind of selfish thinking and corporate selfish thinking and if i look at what's happening in the us and kind of who is choosing to lobby and fight back against coronavirus who is using coronavirus as as i was just saying before or using to market and use the fear to their advantage i just i think if you look you know you look in the light of day and you look at the facts and you look at the other options that are available it's a bit of a selfish choice by those people and it's a very self-interested choice and i don't think it's very veiled either I think it's pretty mm. clear to see mm. so I think you know I can understand people's concerns I know people's concerns but I think there is the innovation um there is that bigger picture once we emerge from coronavirus um to choose better and to be honest if I take it I'm, I'm not a uh um, biochemist but the reality is that whatever surface you have whether it's a natural surface or a, a plastic surface you're looking at um, this particular virus at the moment being there for a set amount of time and what you're really looking at is how do you balance safety of people and for the consumption of food alongside um, looking after the planet in the long term and choosing the responsible choice for the material going forward. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, an interesting one to watch but it's not changing my view on the fact that we need to be using less single-use plastic. Mm. 
Um, and just thinking forward, Dan, you talked a lot about kind of this sort of almost post, uh, I, I guess I'd call it a post lockdown world, because I suppose yeah. it won't be post coronavirus world for a long time. But um, what are your kind of top priorities and hopes um, for the remainder of, of 2020, 2021 from a, a sustainable business perspective there at Interface? For us, I think um, like I, one thing I'm looking at is the ability to to use this time to make sure that we can continue to on our mission, um, which is called Climate Take Back, and to demonstrate ways that you can create a climate fit for life. Um, so nothing changes in terms of our products, our communications and so forth. I guess what I'm hoping for is the opportunity to get back to, to sharing that in a business and usual way. But until then, we will look to see how we can connect. Um, and like at, at the moment, I think people really can benefit for some a little bit a little bit of climate optimism, some stories of positivity. And I think some of the great innovations um, that are out there by lots of different kind of companies can can help that. So if you time it right and you're giving people that little dose of inspiration, or you're sharing the lessons you've learned, I think that can be can be very helpful. Mm. Uh, well, that leads me nicely on to my next point, because it's going to ask for your dose of inspiration and, and your lessons that you might have learned over the last few weeks as to your sort of tips, advice for for fellow SUSTI professionals out there who are perhaps working at home, perhaps getting very frustrated by the lack of connectivity or those, you know, there's a lot of people in our audience on, on furlough at the moment and they're trying to keep themselves connected. Do you have any tips, advice, kind of working from home wise, recommendations for things? I would ask you to, to, to show us what's on your bookshelf there, but <laughs> hopefully they can come up. We can we can start with the, the we can start with the books. Um, I think it's a good opportunity to catch up on some sustainability reading. Um, I will do a kind of turn around show and tell now. Um, one of the nearest ones out is Christina Figueres, yeah. who um, was a key driver in the Paris Change talks alongside. Tom Rivett Karnak has produced the, the Future We Choose. Mm -hmm. And it's a great kind of look at, in a positive way, um, the situation we find ourselves in now in terms of climate, but where we need to be. I mean, it's very much time for COP26, which will now take place in 2021, um, to, but it also highlights the fact that we can, we can make a difference. We're at a decision-making point. Um, on a similar line to this, um, I don't have it here, but um, John Elkington has recently released a book called Green Swans, which again is thinking about a different kind of shift. So this is a good time to, to think about um, kind of a bit of sustainability reading. I also recommend the audio books because it's always nice to hear the guys telling you the stuff and hearing their voice. Maybe that's a personal thing, but um, that's also another, another bit of advice. So that's another one to look at there. In terms of other things, um, I think you've got to look after your own well-being and if you're self-isolating probably your own sanity so maybe trying a few new things within the sustainability world there's a few people doing some great stuff um you can check out mark shaler who's a great um sustainability professional for many many years um is teaching qigong uh, <laughs> i think 8 a.m every morning so you can give that give that a whirl a bit of wellness and mind being equally through the sustainability network um i have a friend who helps out Kind of homeless choirs called James Sills and he started a thing called the Sofa Singers so he's getting everyone kind of singing along and these are it's a little different from what you you normally do but he's trying to connect connect different communities so always a chance to try a random hobby I recommend trying something a little bit a little bit different um so those would be my tips but just make sure you're making giving time to look after yourself when you work at home the tendency is 
but you don't want to stop. You just you end up working longer. You end up um, kind of overbalancing a little bit and kind of um, in terms of trying to make sure you've done enough. And you just got to be wary of that. You have got to make sure there's enough time for you to to stop. And um, these are stressful times as well. Everyone's anxious, and mm. you need to find a way to to release that and find that balance. Mm. Well, I knew you'd have a good answer to that. So thank you. Yeah. Some really good recommendations there. Um, and at risk of, of, of keeping us past our usual working hours, um, I did promise I'll keep these chats to kind of 15, 20 minutes. So I think uh, I'll bring us to a stop there. Um, but Ooh. thank you so much um, for being our first guest on this new series, John. I know how manic things still are for everyone at the moment. So I appreciate you uh, stepping up at the short notice. So there you have it, some great tips and insight that will hopefully help you adjust to this new way of working uh, and hopefully that new way of working doesn't last too long, although I suppose there are some benefits to doing so. I definitely think this digital way of working will be uh, something that sticks around a lot more uh, meetings, a lot more flexibility of work hours, which should benefit a lot of workers as a result. And we've also got plenty more Susty Talks uh, on the way. We've already got interviews uh, with sustainability leaders from Care Group and Coalesce Rail that are up on the website now. Uh, and there's a lot more being recorded over the coming weeks. But there's no such thing as too much insight on this matter. And if you'd like to feature on Susty Talks, uh, please feel free to drop me a message on LinkedIn. Just search for Matt Mace, uh, E-D, E-D-I-E. Um, or you can email newsdesk at fav, F-A-V hyphen house dot com. And if we think it's... Uh, applicable will get in touch as always this podcast and all of our previous episodes are available to listen to and download via itunes and spotify uh, so please do that to stay in the loop and get uh, access to all our latest episodes uh, you can also find the podcast uh, from our homepage of the ed website under the drop downs menu so we will be back uh, relatively quickly in fact with more susty talk and indeed with the sustainable business cover podcast over the coming weeks uh, we've got a lot lined up around our engagement week which is all about sustainability communications and reporting so we'll have a special podcast episode around that we've also got a net zero week happening at the end of may uh, so a lot of content to build in and out of that to look out for but until then goodbye